Welcome to the channel of Anna Purdue. Look for the link below the podcast and make sure to upload the podcast so you can multitask while hearing the message. And you can also look for the link and um, once you open it up, you can scroll over and select your favorite platform, Apple, Spotify, or Google, and just look for the channel Anna Purdue. A huge shout out to Jody F., Rodney T., Verna S., James R., and Michelle V. for your donations to the channel. And if you're interested in helping this channel, you can do so by clicking the donation link found on my website at annapurdue.com. And another way to support this channel is by checking out this offer from my latest sponsor. The government keeps telling us inflation is under control, or that it's just temporary. But what do you think? Exactly. This is just inflation by the back door. Noble Gold is ahead of the game here. They know that with a precious metal IRA under your belt, you'll hedge these rising prices so you can retire without worrying about it. You'll keep up with the inflation the folks in Washington are trying to hide. And this month, as a thank you and to kickstart this precious metal project, Noble Gold is giving away a free 5-ounce solid silver America the Beautiful Bullion Cube with every qualifying IRA or 401k rollover. Take advantage of this amazing investment opportunity by visiting noblegoldinvestments.com or you can call us at 877-646-5347. That's 877-646-5347. The new Bond film plot is about DNA targeting nanobots delivered into humans via a manufactured solution designed to wipe out the Earth's population. It's not hidden in plain sight anymore. It's just in plain sight. Wardman at McMadness News Blogspot has outdone himself with this one. Today I'll be narrating his findings because we began to glimpse an orchestration year decades in the making, uncovering an agenda which reaches its tentacles out into nearly every aspect of our lives, not asking for our cognizant realization or needing our consent. They merely broadcast our consent is implied in our silent apathy to what is being done to us. This story today begins with a murder mystery with a twist. Dateline June 7, 1992, Springville, Missouri, 1717 Delmar Street. 19-year-old Suzanne Susie Streeter, her pal, 18-year-old Stacy McCall, and Streeter's mother, Cheryl Levitt, all go missing from Levitt's home sometime in the wee hours. Note. There is a distinct possibility of a satanic cult involvement, as well as high probability of official malfeasance, at best cover-up at worst. This will become a running theme. I mention this nearly 30-year-old case because of interesting developments which may pertain to a current case in the mysterious and still unfolding case of Cassidy Rainwater, which authorities are doing their best to keep under wraps, but which is threatening to blow nationwide. Far from being a creepy story, this is a horrific case chronicling the very worst of human depravity, including, but not limited to, abduction, serial murder, possible cannibalism, selling human meat on the dark web, 
holding people in cages and the possible killing of children for decades in an orchestrated ring as well. Then there is an article in crimescenainvestigations.blogspot that a van found on James David Phelps' property matches that of the description of the last one reported where the members of the Springfield Three were last seen riding and driving in by other eyewitnesses. That was a case that was 30 years ago, but it was that same description that they've just recently seen on this person's property. Well, Timothy Norton was also arrested, and he has been named as an accomplice in this whole disgusting debacle. When authorities kicked in Phelps' door, they allegedly found him eating a sandwich with human remains. He allegedly laughed and told investigators that he had served human ribs to an unsuspecting neighbor a few days prior. During their search, cops allegedly found vacuum-sealed body parts with detailed labels in a freezer and seven photos of Cassidy in a cage on Phelps' phone. This story gets even stranger. Cassidy Rainwater's mother, Tracy Wawasuk, went missing in 2007, and her remains were found scattered in a field a year later. Wawasuk's disappearance was reported as suspicious, but no cause of death has ever been released on her case, and no one has ever been arrested. Adding to this, no sooner had the FBI become involved than this headline broke. James Phelps' cabin at 386 Moon Valley Road near Windyville burned to the ground overnight between October 4th and 5th. The property, which has not been actively guarded since the story of Cassidy Rainwater's disappearance broke late last month, was allegedly rigged with tripwires. Phelps and his alleged co-conspirator, Timothy Norton, have been charged with kidnapping and were due in court the morning of October 5th. Can you say evidence destruction, boys and girls? Pardon my cynicism, but it wouldn't by far be the first time the FBI has been caught with its hand inside the proverbial cookie jar actually running and orchestrating ops just like this, looking the other way and or aiding and abetting the very people they're supposed to be protecting us from. The first Twin Towers bombing, the Finders, the Franklin Scandal, Waco, the Oklahoma uh, City bombing, everything 9-11, possibly gumming up the works in the cases of Ted Bundy, the Zodiac, the Atlanta child murders, the Boston bombing, the anthrax letters, the occult-laden DC snipers, the Las Vegas massacre, and on and on and on and on and on and on. Need I say more? Whew! It's pretty bad. More and more, what's been going on in Missouri seems very much like an offshoot of a Pizzagate. Remember that? Type Operation Gone Rogue, and that's been being overseen by, guess who? The feds? 
for at least the last 30 years with the FBI running cover for prominent politicians, VIP citizens, and sex rings, and sex cults galore. It's all off the books. Let's also remember that the feds have protected and sheltered everyone from Manson to Henry Lee Lucas to various assorted 9-11 hijackers over the years, to name only a few. The fact that they would burn up some trace evidence to keep a few high-up politicos and our D.C. elites out of harm's way should shock absolutely no one at this point. Remember, you never get them all, and the big ones always skate. Clue. Maria Farmer sang like a canary and telling the FBI about the entire Epstein network in 1996. 1996. They got right on that, didn't they? Here comes the twist. Recently, Tucker Carlson exposed the military's seven tenets of Satanism. How many children were sacrificed to Satan for the forced venom? All this in a military PowerPoint presentation that the armed forces offered absolutely no rebuttal to or for. Michael Aquino lives. Now you know that we've even been able to go in one blog post from serial killers and cannibalism to FBI running cover for the, the same to the venom mandates should at this point surprise no one. But we're not done yet, not by a long shot, because up till now it's just been the why and maybe the how. Brace yourself for the what, because it's a doozy. From here, it's zero to 105 seconds into the heart of the twilight zone. On a recent Stu Peters show, Dr. Carrie Madej discussed seeing horrific things under magnification in the vials of a venom concoction she was peering into. What can only be described as little baby Cthulhu demogorgons? Actual creatures that look like praying mantis in these concoctions that are being mandated even on our children. It seems these creatures remain frozen and motionless while in storage, but body temperature is more ideal, and the warmth of the body temperature brings these creatures to life. While in the thermal cold vials, the creatures remain motionless. Heat and light seem to trigger these creatures. When activated, these little monsters make the host body miserable. So, if a person is filled with these creatures and then you put that someone under a floodlight and the warmth from the floodlight puts them into hell, no more descent. This is an interesting observation since there has been evidence of black lights in the form of lamp posts popping, popping, pop, popping up in parking lots all over the place. There's been a lot of TikTok videos on it. And these lamp lights can actually cover entire swaths of areas. Okay, so we've got the light and heat. So what else? Just how long has this been going on, do you think? 
Following up on Dr. Madeja's findings, we have Dr. Zandra Botha, who finds something even more startling and horrific. This thing is too structured to be anything biological. It's self-assembling. It's now increasingly looking like Morgellons might just have a beta test, right? Morgellons disease is not yet known to kill, but if you were to get it, you might wish you were dead. The symptoms are horrible. These people will sweat these beads of sweat, but it's not like body water. It's black and tarry, said Ginger Safely, a nurse practitioner in Austin who treats a majority of these patients. Patients get lesions that never heal. Sometimes little black specks come out of the lesions and sometimes little fibers come out, said Stephanie Bailey, a Morgellons patient. Patients say strange fibers that pop out of your skin in different colors is the worst symptom. It's very painful, said Lisa Wilson, whose son Travis has Morgellons disease. While all of this is going on, it feels like bugs are crawling under your skin. So far, more than 100 cases of Morgellons disease have been reported in South Texas. It really has the makings of a horror movie in every way. According to the Morgellons Foundation, they have received reports of cases in every state, though the majority are clustered in California, Texas, and Florida. There's much speculation based in part upon the research of Will Thomas that the diseases precipitated, and almost literally precipitation by the fall of aerosol polymer fibers allegedly found in geoengineering samples. Regardless, both geoengineering and Morgellon share something else. They both manifest things that shouldn't be before our eyes and in our flesh and are perhaps representative of either thought forms of a fear that's only in our heads or the expression of a eugenic will to death that is actually most likely in the heads of others, which is it. That artless debunker of 9-11 straw man, Benjamin Chertoff, says there's nothing to worry about. Really? They always stage testing first. Remember the Oakville goo or blob that predated the geoengineering trails by four years? Unsolved Mysteries with Dennis Farina Season 5, Episode 20 did a segment that highlighted a strange happening in the town of Oakville, Washington, on August the 7th, 1994. There was an unusual gooey rain that poured down in that town and made the entire town sick for months. David Lacey, with the Oakville Police Department, experienced the windshield of his car clogging up with the goo. So he and his friend went to wash the car and noticed the substance was like a jello substance. He said it later made him violently sick. Even pets were sick and many died. A woman named Donnie Hearn made the mistake of handling the blobs with her bare hands. She ended up in the hospital as a result. Let's also remember that white blood cells were always a marker in every early sampling of engineered sky dropping trails done by the likes of William Thomas and other early pioneering researchers looking into this. 
indicating a heavy biological component they were laying down. A precursor to today, possibly? Tradition has become premonition. More microscopy of venom-induced victims' blood show rotating metal discs and black lines. Some say these same things are in the newer mask as well. In fact, this happened, this is a true story, with, happened with my husband and me. We actually took our mask that, well, we didn't wear them. We, he got them at Home Depot and brought them here, and we boiled some water and put the mask up over the boiling water, and sure enough, these creepy, squiggly things started surfacing. I had posted it up on uh, Twitter before they suspended me, but it was creepy. But it is possible that major unknown biologics have been found in these masks, too. And speaking of staging testing, let's not forget that the powers that shouldn't be were running beta tests for zombies the same year as the unusual goo in 1994. This was Operation Crimson Mist, where our American military used microwave technology to manipulate one million Rwandans to kill one another in a zombie range. Think that whole op couldn't have been a precursor to what might be being planned with widespread 5G rollout mixed with graphene in the venom bite? Think again, and think really hard. And since we've now brought up the specter of Rwanda into the mix, let's go whole hog and throw in the Human Genome Project. The Human Genome Project was an international scientific research project with the goal of determining the base pairs that make up human DNA and of identifying and mapping all of the genes of the human genome from both a physical and a functional standpoint. It remains the world's largest collaborative biological project. Planning started after the idea was picked up in 1984 by the U.S. government. The project formally launched in 1990 and was declared complete in April 14, on April the 14th, 2003. Level complete genome was achieved in May of 2021. The whole process was completed this year. So what about the fullerene buckyballs? Buckyballs, graphene, and nanotubes. Scientists are working with allotropes, fullerenes, and graphene, and then delving into nanoscience and blending these substances and their uses in nanoscience. They're used in tennis rackets, building materials, graphene, all kinds of future uses. Could something like these upgraded be used in AI? How about cyborgs? And as a delivery system? But for what? Candy Griffin Vandewalker tells how nanotechnology is being used to interface with human organisms to manipulate, control, and attempt to transform our natural organic nature. 
Dr. Zandra Botha was shocked after studying the blood of injected patients that were coming to her with serious illness after being injected with the DNA-altering mandate exercise. After being presented with vials of the substance, she examined the contents. Dr. Botha was horrified. And well, 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 who here is surprised that all this links back to the aforementioned Human Genome Project? Dr. Carrie Madej discusses on the Stu Peters show how what she found under the microscope in a couple of vials of the Moderna and Johnson & Johnson DNA-altering concoctions and how it reveals the horrifying discovery of a very strange and seemingly self-aware organism. Dr. Madaj recently revealed these findings and have identified what she found as possible Hydra vulgaris. It's about to get super creepy. Listen as listen to this. The College of Biological Sciences refers to these creatures as the immortal Hydra. Check out this creepy article they wrote. Eternal life for humans. It's a fantasy pulled from science fiction. But for the Hydra vulgaris, a small freshwater invertebrate, it's a reality. These organisms, which look like miniature fleshy palm trees with swaying frond of tentacles, boast stem cells that exist in a continuous state of renewal and seem to hold within their genetic code the key to biological immortality. Every 20 days, the whole organism renews itself. As far as we can tell, the Hydra vulgaris doesn't age or die, says Assistant Professor Selena Giuliano, Department of Molecular and Cellular Biology. You can cut little pieces out of the animal and it will regrow, and maybe the most amazing thing is that you can disassociate the animal into single cells, mix them all up, and put them back in a ball, and a new hydra will just grow out of it. Hydra are virtually immortal in a lab environment. Their unique abilities make them ideal for studies in healing and aging. Hydra regeneration was noted in 1744 by naturalist Abraham Trimbley. Almost three centuries later, this animal's amazing capabilities remain a mystery. Giuliano hopes to solve some of those lingering questions and further establish the Hydra as a model organism for regenerative research. She says, If you or I were injured, say our hands were cut off, there's a specific genetic program that is activated and is required to heal the wound, but the hand wouldn't grow back. That same genetic program is activated after injury throughout the animal kingdom, but in some cases, instead of triggering scarring like in these creatures, it triggers regeneration and thus the missing body part is completely replaced. This is, after all, the end game. What happens when biology and digital technology merge? Scientists have been working on biodigital technologies that will be woven into our lives in the way that digital technologies are now. Biological and digital systems are converging and could change the way we work, live, and even evolve as a species. 
More than a technological change, this biodigital convergence may transform the way we understand ourselves and cause us to redefine what we consider human or natural. They have been pointing to this for a long time, perhaps centuries, in their patience and planning. A redaction in the National Archives confirms what we all know that the forced DNA manipulation is indeed, by definition, a classical biological weapon. Are we literally dealing with and covering for, at the highest levels, a non-human intelligence that is not based in or on this world? And that could mean, by definition, either the celestial, spiritual, or interdimensional realms, and which is helping the people in power, along with this entire agenda. Hmm, I wonder what CERN is up to these days. Food for much thought. What we're seeing here are all the tentacles branching from the same beast. Whether you are dealing with injectable horrors or programmed serial killers or an agenda that glorifies satanic tenets at the highest levels, it's all part and parcel of the same thing, the same horrid problems. Would I be surprised if rogue U.S. Mingle scientists were injecting little microscopic spaghetti monsters into people simply to see what would happen? Not in the slightest. We have learned how graphene oxide, as exposed by Karen Kingston, Jane Ruby, Carrie Madej, Robert Malone, David Martin, and countless others now as being inside the concoction of all gene-altering venom being marketed. A redaction in the National Archives confirms what we all know. Again, I remind you, This forced DNA manipulation is indeed, by definition, a classified biological weapon. And if you take a clump of this graphene oxide that's inside of it, it's it's the main staple, in fact, of the worldwide mandated DNA gene exercise, and you lay this stuff next to your cell phone, this stuff actually crawls around like an animal. It literally responds like a pet blob to sound and Wi-Fi. Imagine that happening when it's in your blood, your brain, your internal organs. Now, imagine what happens when 5G is fully operational and comes online everywhere. It's a regular dead man's party. Leave your body and soul at the door. Man's inhumanity to man has reached new depths, and the road now is all about the left-hand path from here on in. AI transhumanism is at the beck and call of the black nobility and on the march. There are far too many Craig Venters and Charles Liebers and Anthony Fauci's prowling and slithering around down here, and they are the ones that make serial killers Phelps and Norton look like rank beginners. There is an old Chinese proverb that says, If there is no tiger in the mountains, the monkey will be the king. Meaning, if you're not always vigilant, If you don't always represent and put the best of yourself out there, the lowest common denominator will always take over in your absence. 
And this pertains to both groupthink and personal behavior. Comfort and apathy have taken their toll on all of us, and the monkey is riding high, both within us and without us. It's far past time that we all channeled our inner tigers and tigresses and become the big cats that we were all brought here to be. The monkey thinks he's sitting pretty, but little does he know, the tiger is waking.